Good morning to everyone out there. Uh, it's a pleasure again to be here with you, and I appreciate uh, Scott offering me the opportunity to come and uh, worship with you all today. Uh, on today, I'll be uh, observing the text, uh, Luke chapter 19, uh, verses 11 through 27, uh, with the sermon titled, H-I-S, H-I-S. Um, this one right here, um, when he told me he was looking at Luke 19, there, there, there was some interesting uh, bits there for me to choose from, but uh, I thought this was the most interesting there. And so I want to encourage you as you're at home, uh, please engage. Please engage. Uh, we have a, uh, we want to, maybe we can get an a amen counter. Uh, we get to 75 amens and we'll cut it off uh, at that point there. Uh, but on today, uh, the message is H-I-S. I want to talk to you for a moment about summer cleanliness. Summer cleanliness. I remember as a child, uh, during the summertime, our parents would leave us at home. My mom, she'd go to the VA, and my dad, he was at Wilson Art, and he would give us the task of doing chores. Um, we, we had to clean up the kitchen, clean up the living room, the bathrooms, make up our bed. Uh, if my mom was cooking a certain thing, we had to take the meat out and make sure it was thawed uh, for a moment there. And uh, what we would do as kids what most kids would do, we would wait up until about an hour or 30 minutes before they got home, all right? And then we would try to do all of the things that we should have done um, when we woke up that day. And sometimes we wouldn't make it. Sometimes we would not make it before they came home. And when, we got, when they got home, we got into trouble. Uh, sometimes my parents, uh, they would get off early and they would catch us playing video games or running around outside without our chores being done. And it made me think back on those moments reading this text because my parents didn't give us things that were out of our realm of capability to do. They gave us something that we were very capable of doing and it was something that was helpful to us and to them. And I had to think for a moment, you know, sometimes we fall into that same uh, pattern with God. Um, Jesus, as, as you've been observing him here, and hopefully uh, people at Avenue G have been observing Jesus too. Um, Jesus, he left, right? He left this earth. And he's left us with some things that we should be focusing on, some things that we should be doing. And during his time away, right, we, we, we have to identify ourselves, right? We have to identify ourselves. You know, God has given us things and responsibilities that he believes that we're capable of doing. And, and, and there are times in which we fall into these categories that stand for the H-I-S here. Uh, sometimes we fall into the category of hypocrite, right? Um, we put on the mask of Christianity and we put it on on Sundays. Um, and then the other six days of the week, we become who we really are. You know, uh, sometimes we belong to this next one here and we're insubordinate. We, we just say, OK, I don't care if anybody knows if I'm obedient or not. I'm just not going to be involved with God at all. Right. I, I reject uh, the authority of God. I reject Jesus. And then there are those that fall into the category of being a servant. And as we'll see in the text today, those are the ones that 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 are doing well. 
you know? And I want you to, I want to tell you, if you're feeling uncomfortable about this right now, know that I, I followed into each one of these categories at some point in my life. So don't feel like if you fall into one of these categories and you're like, oh, I'm not too sure about this message. I don't, I don't feel comfortable with this text. I want you to understand that you're not alone. And I want you to also understand that where you are now is not where you have to stay. Where you are now is not where you have to stay. So let's be honest with ourselves. Let's not, let's not uh, uh, think about the person that lives next door. Let's not think about our spouses and what category they fall in and what category our children fall in. But let's think about ourselves today. And let's be honest with ourselves and let's try to make actual change. Which category, which category do we fit into? Which category do we fit into? Uh, let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 19. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off reading the text in its entirety. Um, I'm going to read uh, 11 through 27, and then we'll get into the text and see what it is that Jesus is uh, saying and speaking to them then and us today. Usually at this point, I would say, if you're there, say amen. But I know that we're on our, our electronic devices and they go there immediately. I'll be reading from the ESV version. The Bible reads, as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem. And because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately, he said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minus and said to them, engage in business until I come. And we say engage in business. It's still quiet here, but I know you guys are saying it at home. Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. Verse 16 says, the first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. Then another came saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you. Because you are a severe man, you take what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the minor from him and give it to the one who has 10 minus. And they said to him, Lord, he has 10 minus. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Now, 
Jesus is a bit of a Debbie Downer here when he ends this parable, right? That, that, that seems pretty harsh. Uh, but let's look at what the text is talking about here. Um, the purpose of this parable, as we see in verse number 11, uh, Jesus, it says in the Bible, as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Now, I want you to understand, Jesus, he told this parable because of these two reasons here. He was getting closer to entering Jerusalem. And also because these people supposed the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. You see, they had this expectation of God that they're under the thumb of Roman rulership. Right. And, and, and they're not the nicest people. Right. And they expected Jesus to be David on steroids. King David on steroids. God's kingdom is going to reign. Everything is going to be changed. Rome is going to fall. We're going to rule. But Jesus wants to let them know, look, it's not what you think it's going to be. It's not exactly what you think it's going to be. Uh, There's something that you need to understand about my coming, my going, and my ultimate return, because it doesn't look exactly like what you think that it's going to look like. And so as we look at this parable, let's keep that in mind here. So we see in verses 12 through 14, the master's departure and commission. Uh, Verse 12 of chapter 19 of Luke, the Bible says again, he said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Jesus here, he starts off this parable by talking about a nobleman. This is someone of high status. This is someone who is a good person. Jesus says this person is going to receive a kingdom. Now, this is an idiom that's used at this time, right? And and when we talk about idioms, we, we think about something like you go outside, say, for instance, yesterday, it was raining cats and dogs, right? And we, we understand that it's not actually raining cats and dogs. But Jesus and uh, those of his time understood that when someone say they were going to receive a kingdom for themselves, what this meant was that they were going somewhere else to receive the authority to rule. Right. They were receiving the authority to rule. So Jesus says that this this nobleman was going somewhere else to someone to give him the authority to rule. Right. And and just understanding this parable, we're looking at the master as being Jesus going somewhere else to receive the authority to rule. Right. And then when he received the authority to rule, he would come again. Right. And he gives them the uh, the response here. Engage. Engage in business until I come. Now, I want you to understand some things about Jesus. Jesus, right, for those that don't share our same religious conviction, Jesus has been proven in Scripture to have authority, right? We look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21 through 22. The Bible says, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 22 makes it plain, who has gone into heaven, right, Jesus gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. That's a position of power, position of power, right hand of God with angels, authorities and powers having been subjected to him. If we also look at Colossians 2, 9 through 10, the Bible says, for in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule uh, and authority. Verse 10 
Okay, that's verse 10. Rule and authority. Jesus here has authority. Jesus is this, this master that he speaks about, the nobleman who is going off to receive authority and is sure to return. If we look back at verse number 13 again, Jesus says, the master, the nobleman, calls 10 of his servants and he gave them 10 minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. Now, I want you to understand that as we look at this, um, a servant, right, a servant, a slave in some versions that we look at, there's someone who is going to do the will or the bidding of someone who has authority over them, right? He gives them 10 minas. Now, uh, there's some places that have different uh, measurements of what a mina is, but uh, what I've seen in, uh, to be a good pattern of what it was, was you're looking at three, three months wages, right? Hundreds days wage, uh, 100 denarii, some say. Uh, and then there was one that I found that said that it was equivalent to $800, right? Now, for those of you making $800 in 100 days, you're rich, right? Because Preachers don't make that much, okay? Uh, just kidding. Um, you have these denarii. At one denarii could buy a quart of wheat or three quarts of barley. A hundred denarii was a manageable debt, as we'll see here in a second in Matthew 18, 28. 200 denarii could feed 5,000 people for one meal, right? And we'll see that in a second. And 300 denarii could buy super expensive perfume, right? Um, let's look at some of those here. Matthew 18, 28, uh, the Bible says this. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who, owned, who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. That's an interesting verse there, right? Very, very violent. Um, that was a debt that was supposed to be manageable. Mark 6, verse number 37. But he answered then, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? So that was enough to feed a big crowd at this time, right? Then we go to the next verse here. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. That's talking about 200 again. Next verse. For this ointment, this is the perfume I was mentioning, could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. John 12, 5. Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? So the master gives them something of value. He gives 10 servants, minus, something of value. Verse 14 of Luke 19. The Bible says what? But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. Now, there are three different groups that exist here, right? We have the servants. We have here, verse 14, those who are insubordinate. And we have those that we'll find out later are going to be the ones wearing the mask, the ones that we would consider to be the hypocrites, right? But this master, he leaves 10 servants with the minus, with something valuable, with something of value, and he asks them to do business with it. 
And what that means is he wants them to go about trading or selling. I'm giving you something that is from me, and I want you to do something with it. And I have to ask the question to you today. As servants of Jesus Christ, right, what has God left you with? What has God left you with? Now, now as, I'm, as I'm reading the text and as I'm doing the study and I'm thinking about the things that God has left me with in order to do business in his kingdom, right? Uh, I, I, I can't sit here and say that I'm, I'm great at one thing, but God has given me things in different areas that I can use for his kingdom. If you're the person that controls the thermostat at the Western Hills Church of Christ, you've been given something of value, something that you can do in the kingdom. If, if you're working at a job and you're in a position of authority, you've been given something to where you can use it for the purpose of kingdom building. If you're a student in a classroom, right, you've been given something of value that can be used for kingdom building. What has God left you with? What has God left you with? And is it being used toward the kingdom? Is it being used toward the kingdom? That's questions that we have to ask ourselves individually. Don't, don't think about the person sitting next to you, the person next door, the person that sits on the other side of the auditorium. What has God left with you? And what are you using it for? And how are you using it? Uh, we'll look at the text again at verse 15. We'll start off. The master's return and the faithful. Let's look at the ones who are faithful. The Bible says in verse 15, when he returned having received the kingdom, this, this, this nobleman, he received the authority to rule, the authority to reign. He came back, right? And he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The master is returning. Jesus is coming back one day. He left on the cloud, but he's coming back one day. And those who called themselves servants will have to stand before. He's going to see what has been done with what we have. The first came to him. The first servant came to him. And he says, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. Now, let's say this is $800, right? Um, this is $800. He's gained $8,000. Right. The response that he's given is this. Verse 17 says, and he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. I'm going to read this all. Just look at the responses that they received. One came. He said, I've made 10 more minus with what you gave me. I was successful. I did business. Right. I've gained 10 more. The, the nobleman responds, good, good job, well done, right? And he rewards him. This reward doesn't look like the rewards that we usually want, right? He does well with the 10 minus, and then he gives him authority over 10 cities. Now, you can ask any shepherd here, any minister here, anybody who's helping out with media, when you have the responsibility of being over something, that is stress added on to you, right? That's more work that they were just given, right? But it's a reward as seen here, and I'll explain that in a bit. Uh, verse 18, and, to the, and the second one came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas, right? 
So this servant, if he had $800, he gained $4,000 with what was given to him. And if we continue reading the 19, the nobleman said to him, who is now in possession of authority, and you are to be over cities, five cities. Both of these servants, they did business with what was given to them. But if you'll notice in the text that, that he doesn't necessarily say, you did better than this other one, right? He doesn't necessarily say, okay, you, you gained 10, you, you did five, you're better than this other one, right? We have to ask ourselves the question, am I being faithful to kingdom business based on what I was given? Am I being faithful to kingdom business based on what I was given? What am I doing with what I was given? I'm thinking about this for a moment. And when I look at them being given five cities, I start to think about my kids and how my kids, they'll they'll bring to me these, these drawings and they'll get their crayons and they'll get their map pencils and all these other things that they use to draw on the walls and cabinets and they'll get an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper and they'll draw me a six-legged dog and they'll put a sun up there with uh, and clouds and birds that look like oddly shaped V's and I'll look at it and they present it to me and I know that they've done their best and I'm proud of it and I'll get their work and I'll put it on the refrigerator and put a magnet there and I'll say, this is for everybody to see. Great job. You did the best you could with what you were given. I, I provided you with the crayons. I provided you with the map pencils and you did an awesome job, right? Here's what God does. God gives us more than what we started off with. When we use what God has given us for kingdom building, kingdom business, the building up the, of the kingdom, making sure that the world knows who God is, knows who Jesus is, so that, so that they can access God. We draw a picture for God, and it's on an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. We present it to God, and we say, God, this is what I did with what you gave me. And then God says, here's the side of a skyscraper. I want you now to draw on this, right? And we look at this great thing because God is going to give us more responsibility over more because we've shown ourselves to be faithful with a little bit. And we look at it and we say, I can't handle this big thing that's in front of me. You, you gave me a building after I drew this picture of a dog with six legs, right? You, I was faithful in this little ministry and you give me a congregation on Avenue G and 11th. Now it's getting personal right now because I'm like, I'm just someone who likes to work with kids and talk to them about Jesus. And now I'm preaching in front of people who used to be my Sunday school teachers. He gives us this big building with a blank wall and he tells us, I want you to do your artwork on this. And he does that not so that we can be overwhelmed, so that we can take what we've shown ourselves to be faithful in and we have a bigger platform to touch the world. Right? to influence the world for his purposes and for the purposes of the kingdom. They were given 
10 cities. They were given five cities because they proved themselves to be faithful and little. Are we being faithful to kingdom business based on what he has given us? And when Jesus returns, will he find that you have been a faithful and trustworthy servant? I have to admit, there's been times in my life to where I've been afraid to lay my head down at night because I know that the day that I just lived was not very good. And God's not one to keep tabs. We don't, we don't earn our way into heaven through, through our actions. But I'm just telling you how I honestly felt in those times when I know that I was being insubordinate to God. When Jesus returns, will he find that we've taken what we've been given and we've used it to the best of our abilities for the kingdom? We'll take a look at now in this next section, the master, the hypocrite, and the insubordinate. Verse number 20, the Bible says, then another came saying, this is the servant, right, that has on the mask. He has on his servant mask, but underneath there's something else. Then another came saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, right? Who puts money in a handkerchief, right? For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. I'm looking at this and I'm just like, he, he. Now, I'm reading the parable, right? And I'm not being fair to this person in this, this parable. But I'm reading this and I'm like, he doesn't know who the master is. Because this doesn't explain Jesus' character at all. But he says, I understood you to be a severe man, a harsh man, right? You take what you did not deposit. You reap what you did not sow. So he's saying, hey, I understand you to be somebody who take what's not, what's not yours, who takes what doesn't belong to you. And that's not who Jesus is, right? Um, let's look at this next one here. Oh, I explained it earlier, but I meant to. A servant is this. A servant is pertaining to a state of being completely controlled by someone. When the, when the nobleman gave instruction to the servants, he says, do business with the miner, right? Do business with the miner. He didn't say put it in a handkerchief, right, and hide it. But he says, do business. Go interact with others with what I've given to you, right? So he's not proven himself to be a servant at this point in time. Uh, Dulos is the word here used for this servant. Uh, verse 22, what does it say there? He said to him, I will condemn you with their own words, you wicked servant. Now I'm looking at this word here, wicked, worthless, is what some of our versions say. He says, I'm going to use your own words to condemn you. I'm going to use your own words to judge you, right? This is where this starts getting scary. Because I'm looking at this text and, and I'm realizing to myself there was points in time in my life to where I convinced myself that the mask that I was wearing was who I truly was. I had convinced myself that the lie that I was living was reality, right? It's a scary place to be in. And when I think back at those times, I'm just thankful. I'm so thankful that God saw fit for me to get right. He says to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man. Now I'm, I'm reading this and I'm just like, okay, is Jesus admitting, himself, admitting that he is a severe man, a harsh man? 
But it's a question. He says, he's basically saying, if you knew that I was a severe man, if you knew that I was a harsh man, taking what I didn't deposit, reaping what I did not sow, verse 23 says, why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. I want you to understand this. He's saying, even if you, if you knew, if you thought that I was this person, right, which he has a, a warped uh, reality of who the nobleman is, right, which some of us have a warped notion of who Jesus is, right? We believe Jesus to be this harsh person and, and God to be this harsh being. If you knew that I was this, why didn't you do just a little bit of business by putting it in the bank so they can gain interest. As I'm looking at this, I start to think to myself, you know, sometimes we, we favor those who are able to make 10 minus, right? Those who are able to have the authority over the 10 cities and the five cities. He's saying if you would have just allowed interest to be gained, you would have done well. And I look at us, us, us church folks, and sometimes, you know, when, when, when we, we value other folks' givings, their, their minas over others, you know, there, there's, a, there's $100 bills. I know we don't see them very often, but the $100 bill has changed over my lifetime, right? Uh, it, it went from looking like this, this small face on the bill, and now it has this huge face to these different colors to this little bitty slit that's inside the bill. Sometimes we look at our $100 bill that's, that's old school and we say, okay, this is valuable. This is what God gave me. This is what I'm using for the kingdom. And then whenever someone comes with a big face $100 bill that has the same value, we reject it because it's different, right? And, and this isn't part of this. I'm, I'm just adding this in. This is, this is free. I won't charge you for this. Sometimes we take, we, we take a look at someone's ministry that looks different from ours, right? And we say, we can't work with that. Even though it's valuable to God, we can't work with that because we've always had our ministries look like this old $100 bill. This is valuable. We can do something with this big face $100 bill. But because we're not familiar with them, because we don't like the way it looks, we're not going to use it. And I want to caution you that that value and that $100 bill that has a big face and that 20 that has a big face and the 50 that has a big face is valuable to the kingdom of God. Even if it only gains them five cities and you have 10. So let's work together on this thing, right? Question that I want to ask. Am I doing what it takes to know the master? Am I doing what it takes to know the master? Do, do I misunderstand who Jesus is? And I want you to know that you have people here, Scott, Scott, the tech team, the shepherds here. They're about the business of making sure that you actually know the master so you're not in the position of this third servant here hiding what God has given you. Get to know the master, right? Get to know the nobleman. As we continue on the next slide, am I keeping what has been given by the master to myself? Sometimes we take the thing that God has given us, and, and you may think that I don't have anything of value for the kingdom. But if you are a child of God and you have been given salvation, understand that you have something valuable. You have salvation if you just shared your story with how you attained it, with how you came to know Jesus. That's valuable, right? That is something that you can use to help someone else out. Because if you don't know it, 
I want you to understand that there are people who see Jesus in a way that he is not. There are people that exist that see Jesus in a way that he is not. You have value. You have the ability to show God's to others. Verse 24 reads, and he said to those who stood by, take the minor from him and give it to the one who has the ten minus. Right. That right there seems harsh. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minus already. Why, why would you take from him? Why would you take this thing from him? And as I'm looking at this. Verse 26. Oh, go ahead. Verse 26. I tell you that to everyone who has. More will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Even what he has will be taken away. The servant who chooses to rest on their laurels will worsen their stance in the kingdom of God. Don't be okay with being okay, right? Don't be okay with being okay. Remember the citizens at the beginning who rejected the master's reign? They said, we don't want him to rule as he's getting ready to go and have authority. Jesus is about to come into Jerusalem to where they're going to reject him. Spoiler alert. Sorry, Scott. They're going to reject Jesus, right? They're going to reject Jesus. And they were called citizens at first. Look at this here. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation. They sent people to represent them, right? After him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. We don't want his authority. We don't like him. We don't like how he rules. We don't, like, we don't want him to be in position of authority. They were known as citizens at this time before he went away to receive the kingdom, to receive the authority. Now look what happens in verse 27. They're given a new name. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. It's not stated in the text whether Jesus is still in the mode of the parable. I'm hoping he's still in the mode of the parable here. But he says the, these harsh words here. Those people who rejected me upon my return, they're now enemies. Right. They're now enemies. They're working against me. We, we understand enemies. Right. It, for all of those great people who are Cowboys fans, we know that the Redskins uh, that are in Washington, D.C., they're, they're, they're enemies, right? Um, we know if we're Longhorns fans, we know that the Aggies are enemies. Sorry. Uh, Jesus sees these citizens formerly as enemies, those who are working against the kingdom, right? Bring them here, slaughter them before me. People would like to believe that everyone wins in the end, uh, but we don't see this reality here. But how can there be subjection, right? How can there be subjection uh, where there was never submission? Uh, when, 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 when the kingdom, when the kingdom, the full reign of God comes, it's going to be made up of people who have submitted to the will of God. Let's not find ourselves in the position of enemies in a position of rejecting the authority of God. As we look at this, we have to ask ourselves, who am I in this parable? Who am I in this parable? If you recognize yourself as being the hypocrite, don't stay there. If you recognize yourself as only being a Sunday Christian, don't stay there. 
I've been there before. It's tiring. It's exhausting to be a Sunday Christian, right? You put on the face of a Christian on Sunday, and then for the rest of the week, you put down your religion, right? That's what some of us folks say. We put down our religion. It's exhausting. God's not pleased with it. We have a misunderstanding of who Jesus is, and we don't live lives as, as full of blessings that we could, or as, as, as hopeful and as full as we could. If you find yourself being an insubordinate, I want you to understand that God loves you. The, the, the image that is distorted, that is being distorted by the adversary, I want you to understand that God actually is love. He loves you. He loves you before you came to him. Right? He loves you before you submitted to his will. Don't have an odd understanding of who Jesus is or who God is. He loves you and he wants to be in relationship with you. If you're a servant and you're looking and you're listening to this message and you realize, hey, I'm a servant, I've been faithful uh, and little, God has given me much, I want you to understand that you can do something with the great that God has given you. If you're looking at a side of a building after you've been faithful in a little bitty piece of artwork, I want you to know that you can attack this thing with God. God will allow you his shoulders so you can stand up and paint an image of God for the world to see. He will give you the tools to make sure the whole side of that skyscraper is covered with something beautiful, something that you're capable of doing. There's something in this parable for everybody to understand, all right? for everybody to gain something from. But the question is, what am I going to do with it? What am I going to do with it? That's up to you. Uh, that is my message for today, the HIS of this parable. Thank you. Chris, I, I just want to express our appreciation for you being here and sharing that message. And, and I love the personal side where it talked about you've been given something for the kingdom and how God's used that to expand that. Would you do us a favor? Would you bless us by, for all those that have been hearing this message today and they literally are around the world, mm -hmm. would, you, would you pray a blessing for them and for each of us here as we try to use what God's given us to expand the kingdom Most and let definitely. him do with that? So would you, would you honor us with that? Yes, let's pray. Dear most kind and righteous Heavenly Father, we come to you at this time thanking you for this gift of life that you have given us. We ask, dear Lord, that you would bless us all as your servants on today. We ask that you, with what you've given us, that you bless us with good stewardship, that you bless us so that we can be mindful of not using what you have given us simply for ourselves, but for the kingdom. We pray a prayer for those whose hearts have not been touched Yet, those who have not opened themselves up to you, we ask that you would soften their hearts so they can be receptive to the message of the gospel, the message of salvation. We ask, dear Lord, that you would bless those who are struggling at this time, putting on a mask from day to day, those who are unhappy with their current position in life, those who are depressed, those who are struggling being around their families for this extended period of time, we ask the Lord that you bless those who are wearing masks, 
We ask that you bless them with the peace that only you can provide. We ask that you bless the servants who have been proven faithful and trustworthy and little. We ask that you bless them with endurance. We ask that you bless them with what they need to continue to build up the kingdom. We're thankful for our family here at the Western Hills Congregation and the great works and ministry that they do and the great folks that they have that have put together this, this online worship experience. We ask that you bless them to continue to handle that skyscraper as they have been. And we ask your Lord that you bless them with more. We ask that you bless them with a platform that will continue to touch the world. All these things we ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen.